welcome to episode 413 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with someone from across the pond, educator, journalist, transgender advocate, Debbie Hayton. And we talk with Debbie about her background, the eloquence of physics, gender dysphoria, conformity, shame, being yourself, conversion therapy, what gender is, and celebrating our differences, among other things. A grand conversation with Debbie Hayton on this week's program. Our illustrious associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, shares a wonderful piece that coincides beautifully with the thread of this week's episode. We'll keep it a surprise. We also have an EW essay titled Confide and a poem called Yellow Hue. And of course, all of this will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 413 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. To see 
Confide. How do I know who I am? What is a woman? What is a man? Is this whole gender thing an existential sham? Sex is T-Rex. Vexed and perplexed as my Cro-Magnon neighbor Stan. Are you white, Caucasian, black, brown, American? Asian, African, Persian, Christian, Arab, Jew, vegan, carnivore, slurping down a bowl of tofu beef stew. My mother is a Catholic. My neighbor is a Muslim. The paper boy might be an atheist prognosticator running for mayor of New York this coming June. And... Dysphoria derails the dreams of Gloria, whose parents named her Kenneth as a baby living in Astoria, Queens. Physics speaks clear and true without much ado as the physical world spins slowly to the pace set by the galaxy we call home. The sunrise brings welcome to each of us every day. And we walk, run, jump, crawl into the fray, trying to fit in, hearing, if not listening, to what we have inside, despite how deeply the need for someone to whom we might confide. While still, this limited engagement must coincide with the needs, wants, and expectations representative of all those you live for and among. Where is the truth, the justice, the freedom, acceptance, love, 
the calm coming out and joy of being home together and alone, comfortable in your own skin, as deep and sweet, complete as a beautiful poem originating from within, more powerful than any such notion as original sin. We are all kin.
Debbie Hayton, is that you? It's me here. Good to speak to you. So nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. And before we get started, let me give the listeners some background information. Debbie is a high school science teacher from central England. She transitioned in 2012, and she has written extensively about what it means to be trans without believing in something called gender identity. Debbie has written for The Evening Standard, The Economist, The Times, Publico, The Huffington Post UK, The National Review, and Yahoo, to name a few. To Debbie, trans is something we do rather than something we are. As a teacher, Debbie is particularly concerned about the impact of gender identity ideology on children. Troubadours and Tours is very happy to have on the program Debbie Hayton. So, again, thank you for taking the time out over there in uh, central England. It's a little later there than it is here as we speak. Yeah, it's only four hours at the moment, though, because we, we've not put our clocks forward just yet. Oh, when do you guys uh, go on to Daylight Savings? I, I think it's two weeks' time, but it catches me out every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was difficult waking up this morning for me. Um, but anyhow, uh, before we, we get into some more specific questions, how about you share uh, with everyone, if you would, uh, as much as you would like about your personal journey that has brought you to where you are today? Okay, well, I try... I transitioned, uh, it's getting on for 10 years ago now, uh, in 2012 it was, and uh, it came at the end of a long, uh, you know, long case of psychological issues which I've been struggling with, and it did did solve them. Uh, So I transitioned in 2012 and was able to then uh, get back to life, get back to teaching, I'm a teacher, and, and just just get on with life that was that was that was what i did it for so when you say some of the psychological uh, issues i you know a phrase that i i read and i think i understand but maybe this connects to it um and if not please uh, tell me but i think it's is it gender dysphoria that causes that kind of struggle yeah, gender dysphoria is the label which is attached to it which uh, describes the psychological dis- this almost insatiable need to uh, be the other sex, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. But uh, something there, there is definitely something there, and something which which, which which causes huge mental health issues. If you know, and and gender dysphoria is the label which we attach to that. And do you think it's a fair uh, assessment or definition that is used when when trying to explain what you yourself experienced? Yeah, it is. You you need a label for these things. You need to actually attach something to it so that when you're uh, talking to other people and talking to them about their experiences, you can uh, relate to other people. Yeah. And so how old were you, uh, roughly, if you don't mind me asking, when uh, you transitioned? Uh, I I can't remember now. Uh, Well, I can remember. I was 44. 40. So we're we're the same age. We're the same age, just about. That's cool. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, and I've read some of the wonderfully written articles that uh, you've had published, uh, about your concern regarding the impact of gender, uh, gender identity ideology on children. Now, you're a teacher. You're a teacher at uh, high school level? 
Yeah, I teach uh, ed- children aged 11 to 18 in the UK. Yeah. And is it physics you teach? I do. Jeez, you must be pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that compared to human beings, physics is easy. Human beings are difficult. We're complicated. <laughs> that makes total sense to me. I, you know, I'm, I have an engineering background, so physics is something that I, I, uh, I, I'm daunted by, but I respect and love at the same time. Uh, but you're right. It makes much more sense than people. Um, anyhow, when you, when you talk about, when you mention your, your concern regarding the gender identity, identity ideology on children, what do you mean? I mean this idea that, we ha- that uh, gender dysphoria, as I call it, is caused by a gender identity, that we all have this, uh, you know, this thing, this almost like soul-like concept inside our heads that determines whether we're a man or a woman or neither, which uh, is actually unscientific. You know, whether we're a man or a woman is uh, it's our biology rather than our psychology. But I, I worry that children are picking this up, thinking that they can choose whether they're a man or a woman, and they can't, you know, or whether they grow into a man or a woman, and they can't really. Uh, because these things, these things are fixed. It's we can no more choose our our sex than we can choose our height or our eye colour. This is uh, this is what biology has uh, has granted to us. But children are being children being told that they can choose their sex, and uh, it's putting them in a really difficult position when they're uncomfortable about themselves, uncomfortable about their relationships with others, and if they think that. They may have been born in the wrong body. That's that's that, you know that's the jargon which is used. If they think they've been born in the wrong body, then they may be pressurised into doing something about it, which uh, may leave them with uh, you know it may leave them infertile, sterile, and on medication for life. And they're making these decisions before they can appreciate what it means to be an adult. So they're not maybe they're not uh, developed enough to make these decisions, is what I, I'm I'm garnering. Yeah, you know, uh, for a child, for a child, of, for a pre-pubescent child, because it's children of that age who are being uh, asked to make these decisions, to know what it means to be an adult, to grow into an adult, uh, they just don't know, and they're being asked to uh, make these decisions. Uh, there's been court, a court, big court case in the UK uh, brought by Kira Bell, uh, a woman in her early 20s who transitioned as a teenager and then detransitioned after having medical treatment. And she, she claimed, well, her claim was that uh, she was not able at age, even at age 16, to make, uh, in, to give informed consent, to actually be able to make the decisions, which she did. And the decisions she made, I'm, well, we're not talking about reassignment, right? Uh, she had, uh, yeah, it was hormone therapy, uh, surgery, surgeries which she's had. Her body's been changed for life, and now uh, in, in her early, by her early 20s, she decided, she uh, realized that this was a mistake. And her claim is, is that she was too young to make those decisions at age 16. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that uh, you're not, I mean, I'm talking from a perspective, uh, understanding the uh, legal landscape in the U.S., you wouldn't be able to make those decisions until you're 18 or older, unless you have parental consent. Well, it's can parents make this consent for their children? This, this, this is this is the other question. Uh, it's you know, ch- children under the age of eighteen in the UK are not able to uh, 
you know, they're not able to have a tattoo, they're not able to buy cigarettes, uh, they're not able to buy alcohol, but they have been able, up until very recently, to consent to this treatment, which arguably has a much bigger impact on their bodies than the other things do. Uh, for sure, I would, I would say. Um, it must put you in a, a strange position, in a way, because uh, you are someone who is transgender, you have transitioned, and then for you to come out and say, hey, listen, I don't think these folks should be uh, able to, to make that decision. There, there are probably folks in the, other folks in the LGBT community, Q community, that are saying, hey, you're our enemy. Uh, I, do, I, I, do, I do face quite a lot of opposition for what I say. I'm making, uh, I'm making arguments. I, I enter into debate. People disagree with me. What I find quite difficult is when people don't come back and uh, counter my arguments. They, uh, they will say I'm a horrible person for saying this. I guess they look at what I'm saying. Is they say, well, you transitioned. But what you're saying is that these children shouldn't be able to do what you did. But my counter to that is to say that uh, I did this when I was an adult, when I was in, you know, fully able to appreciate what I was doing. And crucially, at which time I'd already had my own children. So uh, I was I was at a much later life stage when it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't my own ability to have children, which was ever at stake here. There was much, much less at stake for me when I was 44 than when I would have been when I was as age 14. And and if I'm honest with myself, had this uh, had this treatment been a, been uh, available to me when I was 14, uh, I would have taken it and I would have clamoured for it and been desperate for it. And then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the children which I did have. And, uh, and that, and that is that's that that really does take me back and think this would have been wrong for me. And I worry that children now are also uh, are being put into that position of having to make those decisions. You know, it's hard for me. I'm trying to understand, and uh, because I, I'm a heterosexual male, and you know, I, I really haven't questioned uh, at all my my uh, you know sex or my sexual orientation or my gender, anything. Well, I can't question my sex, as you put it. Uh, it's true. You're born a certain sex. Uh, so it's hard for me, not because I disagree or I think it's wrong. It's just hard for me because I, I have not been in that position. So, you know, excuse my ignorance and uh, indulge me to better understand. And I'm sure there are a majority of people who are in a similar situation as I am trying to understand. What, I mean... It, what is it like for for someone at a young age to begin with to have that that sort of gender dysphoria? So so people could understand the the struggle. And you know what you know what inevitably comes to people's minds if they don't say it even is that, well, that person just has a, some sort of mental problem, oftentimes, all too often, which is wrong. But, but that comes up. How would you respond to that? Well, I guess what you're saying is, you, 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 it's, it's framing mental problem, is 
perhaps just perhaps just mental or psychological difference you know as human beings we're all different some of us who are uh, happy with our bodies and others others you know other people have got uh, issues with their bodies some people like to change them in one way or, one way or another uh, it is you know to have a insatiable desire to be the other sex is it's a it's a psychological difference it's something that uh, makes us different but what what we tr- as human beings we're all different but within society we do like to, we do you know it's the conformity which society puts on us to say that uh, well if you feel a bit different there's something wrong about that or uh, you know or it's something to be shameful about or uh, something which is uh, which is as you know as you said a problem whereas these things these things are just differences what i what i you know the as the more i realize about what it means to be trans it is a discomfort with your with, with your body uh but it doesn't nec- it doesn't mean that because you're uh, you've you've a discomfort with your sex body that you are the other sex in some ways what we're doing we're saying to and especially to children we're saying that uh, if you're uh, if you're unhappy with what it means to be a boy then be a girl which is just going from one category to another we should be saying to children be yourself and instead of trying to uh, change somebody's mind as that's that's been done in the past when people have tried uh, conversion therapies to change people's minds you can't do that we've gone to try and change people's bodies but perhaps it'd be better to be reconciling people's minds to people's bodies without the uh, hang-ups we have in societies that say if you're a if you're a man you should look like this and if you're a woman you should look like this I understand. So the presumption that uh, if you have a physical self that is a, a man, a, a, you know, anatomically, but you, your gender, your sense of gender is, is uh, more in line with traditional female, then you could still carry yourself anatomically and, and uh, even with regard to sexual orientation – as a, as a, a straight male, but you can't, but your gender is is a female is 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 again. Excuse my ignorance. Excuse my my sloppy approach to to try and explain. No, it's fine. <laughs> Can you give me some insight on that? Well, I think it's it's what we've done is we've we've conflated this idea of gender with sex. So we we've ended up we've ended up in a mess. We really have. Uh, in terms of gender, it's what is gender? You know, in it, it's uh, when I when I learned foreign language. You see, in, in the English language, we don't tend to use gender, uh, but when I when I learned French at school, we did, and we talk about masculine and feminine, and those those are the adjectives which are used. And when it comes to gender, we, we're all uh, very mixtures of masculine and feminine, and. Uh, but in terms of sex, we're male or female. What we've done with the language and with the politics, we've conflated those two ideas to the point when many people have got confused. And if people uh, identify with feminine characteristics, that means that perhaps they're female. But the true freedom as individuals is you, you can be a male person, you can be your unique mix of masculine and feminine qualities qualities and the same way that female people can be as well but uh by conflating these we've just caused confusion and uh so people don't know don't necessarily have the words to describe what they're meaning people get confused people uh 
people do back off from this because they think it's more complicated than what it actually is. But at the base of it, we're all a we're because of our biology, because of you know our species, we are all male or female. But because we're human beings, we're a unique mix of masculine and feminine. But that is complete. It's a different. Uh, it's a different quality. It's psychology rather than biology. It's psychology rather than biology, and and you know the more you think about it, and I'm sure, the more I think about it at least, it it to to again as you mentioned earlier in the conversation to to force people to conform to this this idea of what is normal or okay is is the root of the problem really right I mean yeah yeah it is and. And this and my concern is confused children, confused boys who think, you know, I, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm struggling with being a boy. Perhaps try being a girl. What you're doing is you're uh, rather than being a boy who perhaps might like to express himself in a, in a in a feminine way, which is unusual. We're trying to impose a new conformity on these children by saying, look, you're really a girl. Therefore, you can conform as a girl rather than not conform as a boy and vice versa. Right, right. And uh, the concern that you have, too, is when people maybe when they're younger, they shouldn't be making uh I guess, irreversible or very difficult to reverse decisions based on their physicality. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what really does concern me. It's when children's children, because there's a pressure with, with puberty. It's a clock that ticks for children. And a child which is struggling as age four, five, six with, with this gender dysphoria, and that was my experience as well at that age, uh, puberty is their ticking, the pressure to uh, do something about this before before their body is changed in ways which uh, they, th- they may not want at that age uh, is huge. And the con- my concern is, is that uh, historically, gender dysphoria in childhood, about 80% of it has uh, has gone away it's desisted with uh, with puberty as as children grow up they're then able to be reconciled to their bodies in the vast majority of cases uh that is uh, that's that's my that's my concern that uh, if 80 percent traditionally have desisted through adolescence then uh we're transitioning children who don't need to be transitioned and even the 20 percent who will come back in later life and say a guest like me, who said that uh, I really struggled in childhood and it didn't go away, uh, you can say, well, you can transition as an adult. If you, if Once you grow to adulthood and understand what it means to be an adult, you can transition. And uh, puberty itself doesn't, uh, isn't, you know, it isn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't stop that. Right. And, uh, yeah. Right. And I, I mean, and I think a lot of the terminology is mixed up uh, for a lot of people who uh, don't um, have this as a firsthand experience and they're trying to understand it. Because when, when you're talking about transitioning, transitioning is, 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 a, is a physical commitment you're making to change yourself physically. Right. Yeah, it can be. It, it can mean different things to different people, and it, it, there can be a social transition, which is a purely social change. Okay. And then there can be a, there can be medical transition, surgical transition as well. And some people do one but not the other. 
So you're concerned more about the children going with a physical transition, not so much a social transition or both? Uh, physical transition really does worry me, but I'm also concerned about uh, children age five, six, seven making social transitions and then and then fitting into society as the other sex. And, and children that age do will pass because without secondary sex characteristics, uh, you know, they, they will be taken for the other sex. But what happens when they get to puberty? If a child has been socially conditioned as the other sex from age five, six, seven, when puberty arrives at age 11, 12, that puts them in a really difficult position when they will develop in ways different to the rest of the uh, rest of the sex that they've been identifying with. And there, the, they're put in a re they'd be put in a really difficult position. But why, why are we saying to five, six, seven-year-old children, if you want to be comfortable in society, you've got to uh, pretend to be the other sex? Why aren't we giving children the freedom to express themselves without denying, denying biological facts, scientific truth, which is their sex? Yeah. But that means changing society. We've talked about changing minds and changing bodies. What we really need to be doing is changing society so people can, people can express themselves as they feel comfortable. I love it. That's very insightful. Debbie Hayton here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And, I mean, you're an educator. You're, I, I guess you, you're, you're a journalist. You're, you're as well. Would you say you're a transgender advocate, too, among other things? I do. I do because uh, the, as transgender people, we have the right in the UK uh, to uh, live our lives free of of harassment, discrimination, I was able to transition and carry on with my job as a teacher. Uh, the law protected that and also gave my employer the confidence to uh, uh, to support that. And I fully support, uh, I, you know, I, I fully support that and, and call for that to be protected. Uh, trans, you know, transgender people, we've become so politicized in recent years. Uh, it used to be that... Uh, it used to be that we just wanted to keep our heads down and keep our jobs and uh, and carry on with life, but we've become we have become political footballs. But behind that, you know, we, there's real people here who need somebody to say, yeah, we need to be protected against harassment and discrimination, and also the health, the specific health care that we need. Uh, we f we find in the UK that the government is a lot happier to talk about legal changes to uh, to laws which may or may not be helpful and the less the less willing to spend money on uh, health services which we need because they cost money and that's what I'm campaigning for so the the, the legal changes uh, they don't go they don't give uh, relief or assistance as much as actual uh, health care opportunities. Yeah, it's doing things. You see, the, there's been a huge debate in the UK about changing our law on gender recognition. Uh, to actually legally change your sex in the UK, you need you need uh, you, you need a, you need a, a, a doctor or two doctors, two, a specialist and your own doctor to actually say there's a medical need for this. You know, somebody's under psychological distress. The, there's been political moves to change that, so you can change your legal sex, the sex which you're registered as, just by ticking a box, checking a box on a form, which uh, 
I felt was unhelpful because it, uh, uh, it, it questioned the credibility of the whole process. And I felt that the credibility of the system that we rely on was being called into question there. But for the government, it was it was quite cheap to change the law. A few debates in Parliament, uh, uh, the laws changed. But to actually pay for the uh, the healthcare and specifically the uh, the mental health care that we need, the psychotherapy, the counselling that we need, is very expensive, and they're they're less willing to pay for that. The national health care system doesn't cover it. Well, it should. But uh, our healthcare system in the UK, it's all free at point of need, but uh, it, get ra- it gets rationed by waitlist. So to, uh, to find uh, specialist gender services now under the health service, there are waitlists now of two to three years, which is just, it, it's, it's, it's inhumane is that. You, mm. can, you, can pay, you can pay money and, uh, Private, and yeah. see people privately. We can do that. But the uh, healthcare system, which we uh, which we pay for and we rely on, is uh, is is totally overwhelmed. And would that be something you'd like to see available? Uh, those sort that sort of specialist uh, with the national health care system for for uh, adolescent uh, for children, adolescents, and and right through adulthood. Dealing with yeah, and it and it's meant it's mental health support. This this is the this is the side of the healthcare uh, service which uh, is under resourced and uh, you know and unvalued and and it's undervalued. Uh, mental health support actually giving people the time and the space to talk through their issues with somebody. We don't do that. We're much happier to uh, change change laws or even you know, write prescriptions for drugs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cheaper to do that. And it's not just transgender health care. Right. It, it's health care across the board. You know, people with all sorts of mental health issues uh, will find that uh, it's cheaper to uh, prescribe some drugs for this rather than talk through the, to mask the problem, rather than talk through the issues so that people can, uh, can uh, actually get to the base of the problems that they're, they're struggling with. And I, I like I like uh, very much how you've brought me to this understanding that it is healthy. It seems to me to to embrace the fact that when when you are are within gender dysphoria, it is a psychological issue. It is a psychological problem. It it, it doesn't. It's not to say there's something wrong, but there's something that has to be dealt with. Yeah, it's like I'm short-sighted, and that's that's a medical problem as well. But mm-hmm. I can correct that by wearing glasses. Right. Uh, so right. you know, these are the sort of issues. Yeah, it's 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 different to have gender dysphoria. Does mark you out as different? Uh, but we should we should. Uh, it's hard with gender dysphoria because it causes so it caused me so much mental distress. But to actually uh, reconcile ourselves to who we are and not be ashamed of. Uh, you know, psychological differences. I, 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 I hesitate to use the word psychological disorder, which is, it's a pejorative, you know, mm-hmm. to say you have a disorder. But really, to have a disorder is just not to be, uh, it's not to be ordered and not to stand in line, to, but to stand aside because I don't want to be I don't want to be number 53 in a line of 100 people. I want to stand to the side of that line and be myself. But that in itself is a disorder because you're not taking your place in the ordered line. But it's this, it's this idea, I guess it's just the 
the conformity which we try to impose on ourselves as human beings we want to fit in we want to conform and when we realize we're different that cause that's that causes the issues and i like you know it's better to celebrate and uh, our differences than try to uh, try to conform i think wonderfully put debbie hayton believe it or not we're just about done with our talk this go-round. I would love to talk with you again in the future, and I give you an opportunity now, if you'd like, to, to say whatever you would like to say to the listeners. I just uh, ask, sometimes people get told that this is really, really complicated, and that people away from, the, away from this debate don't understand it, won't understand it, but it's not. Uh, sex is we all know we all we all know that there are two sexes it is simple and we can tell sex we can tell each other sex and that's not complicated what is complicated are human beings which who sometimes have difficulty fitting into there and what I'd really like to tell your listeners is let's celebrate our differences rather than try to impose a conformity on each other thank you Debbie it was a pleasure talking with you. And with you. And nice to talk to you. Take care.
Three Poems by Adrian Rich And Jennifer's Tigers And Jennifer's Tigers prance across the screen, bright topaz denizens of a world of green. They do not fear the men beneath the tree. They pace in sleek, chivalric certainty. And Jennifer's fingers, fluttering through her wool, find even the ivory needle hard to pull. The massive weight of uncle's wedding band sits heavily upon Aunt Jennifer's hand. When Aunt is dead, her terrified hands will lie, still ring with ordeals she was mastered by. The tigers in the panel that she made will go on prancing, proud and unafraid. A Valediction Forbidding Morning My swirling wants, your frozen lips, the grammar turned and attacked me. Themes, written under duress, emptiness of the nations. They gave me a drug that slowed the healing of wounds. I want you to see this before I leave. The experience of repetition as death. The failure of criticism to locate the pain. The poster in the bus that said, My bleeding is under control. A red plant in a cemetery of plastic reeds. A last attempt. The language is a dialect called metaphor. These images go unglossed. Hair, glacier, flashlight. When I think of a landscape, I am thinking of a time. When I talk of taking a trip, I mean forever. I could say, those mountains have a meaning, but further than that, I could not say. To do something very common in my own way. Burning oneself out. We can look into the stove tonight as into a mirror, yes? The serrated log, the yellow-blue gaseous core, the crimson, flittered gray ash. Yes. I know inside my eyelids and underneath my skin. Time takes hold of us like a draft upward, drawing at the heats in the belly, in the brain. You told me of setting your hand into a print of a long dead Indian, and for a moment I knew that hand, that print, that rock, the sun producing powerful dreams. A word can do this, or, as tonight, the mirror of the fire of my mind, burning as if it could go on, burning itself, burning down, feeding on everything, till there is nothing in life that has not fed that fire. I drink the dregs of the champagne alone Warm flat coppery coins down my throat I'm saving up for a rainy day And I plan to spend it in one place I threw the party so I could stay put You brought the 
cockles a nearby scratch on a whitewashed wall, witness to so much angst and tears kept inside, almost out a few times, but ultimately kept and transformed into sad, angry despair, then escapist vice, rolling the dice on this soul. Yellow hue, I cherish you, a lamp light that is steadfast and whole. Oh, 
Episode 413 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Debbie Hayton, our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise, poet Adrian Rich, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt. Stefan Grappelli, Jenny Lewis, T. Rex, Todd Rundgren, Lucy Duckus, Dow and the Get Down, Stay Down, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.